Hello, welcome back to another episode of On Social Impact, the podcast that champions and celebrates social impact businesses in Ontario. My name's Neil, and as always, I'm your host. And this week, we're talking to another fantastic business. I'm really excited about this. I've got a bit of a confession to make for you. I'm a closet urbanist. I love the interplay between people, built environment, space, and of course, green space, which isn't just the lungs of our city, as we're going to hear in this interview with Jody Lastman from Park People. So I really hope you're going to enjoy this one. Kick back, listen in, and as always, if you do enjoy it, please take a moment to leave a rating. You can find On Social Impact on iTunes, or for that matter, any other podcast app of your choice. Ratings do help me to let me know what I'm doing right, maybe what I'm doing wrong, if you give me a really bad rating, but it also helps the show to be discovered by others. And my mission with this podcast is to champion and to celebrate the amazing work being done throughout the province of Ontario. There are some wonderful people there. I'm hoping to get all their stories over time on this podcast. And with you giving just one minute of your time to put a rating down, you'll help more people to discover those companies and to help them grow, to help them scale their social impact and to help Ontario become an even more fabulous place. So that's enough for me for the time being. Let's enter the interview. Enjoy. First of all, thank you so much for joining on Social Impact. And could you introduce yourself for listeners and explain a little about who Park People are and what you do, please? Absolutely. I'm Jody Lastman, and I'm the manager of marketing for Park People. Uh, Park People is a Canadian national organization that works to help people leverage the power of parks for cities. Fantastic. And that must be really exciting, especially in a, a summer like this time. It's a fantastic role, mostly from my perspective, because parks just are such a dynamic and interesting issue that touches on so many aspects of people's quality of life that it's kind of an always evolving and interesting area to be working in. Absolutely. Awesome. And I mean, I think green spaces in cities can sometimes be seen as a little bit of a luxury. After all, they need maintaining. You've kind of got to put budget into them and resource into them to keep them looking their best. Um, And of course, where there's grass, there aren't houses for people to live in. But they're a real necessity for healthy urban living, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I think that one of the things that isn't well understood about parks is that the role that they have in so many issues, if you think about just basic public health, and community development and all of the funds that are channeled into those issues in terms of you know prevention being the most effective and um, efficient way of dealing with the population you um, realize that you know parks are not luxuries at all and having places where people can be recreating and socially convening and being part of a community in a neighborhood has so many multiple impacts the research is just keeps compounding in terms of what um, researchers are realizing the effects of park space and green spaces on human health and well-being so they are not a luxury at all in fact I would say as we become increasingly dense they're more and more um, a necessity absolutely I mean personally I think it is really important for them to be included from sort of first principles from city neighborhood design upwards Yeah, well, that's the idea, and too often um, they are an afterthought, not only in terms of the allocation of green space, which is wonderful, but then what happens in that place once it's been allocated? Is it simply putting up, 
you know, um, a play structure that, you know, hasn't had kind of the right level of community consultation or consideration, or is it looking around and trying to think about what isn't currently present in the neighborhood? Uh, what are people needing and how could that space be best leveraged to support, you know, human, human needs? Fantastic. And it, I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like a really excitingly complex area to be working in. Well, that's exactly it. I feel like the strongest um, understanding right now that's kind of coming out is around the benefits of exposure to nature. But I, I think that that's just the beginning. I think that our understanding of um, parks and what they offer people, just thinking about some basic issues around like when you share food in public spaces, how it's different than when you eat inside at your home, you know, at your, at your family table. Um, what what do you learn? What lessons do you learn by engaging with farmers markets and vendors in your local park, and uh, perhaps you know meeting new friends or new community members in the park who may turn out to be um, great babysitters or dog walkers or um, people that can just simply lend you a cup of sugar when you know when you need it. Um, that those kind of um, benefits, not to mention just things like recreation like in running groups and walking groups and yoga groups and tai chi and all the things that happen in parks um those just aren't really thought about unfortunately because we tend to think in these silos right about like housing and health and um you know uh community development sort of all live in different parts of our minds and parts of our municipalities so it makes it hard to kind of connect up the dots Absolutely. And I think in, in sort of connecting up the dots, looking at your website, so much of what you do is around community mobilisation and getting people to turn out, to come together and then to act together. How do you do this and what are some of the challenge, challenges you face and how do you then overcome those challenges? Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, the right solutions for green space and public space um, and parks uh, has to come from community. It's not something that we're going to advocate on behalf of a community um what they're what they need but they are the people who know their their needs best and so really first principle for us is the creation of community park groups that can form in lots of different ways some of them quite formal with you know budgets and staff and many of them very informal community groups that just you know are the stewards and voice for their community park and so we really advocate for the creation of these these groups both in highly served and in underserved neighborhoods um, where people come together and then it's once they've come together you know helping facilitate the important work that these groups can do everything from advocating for better light in the playground to hosting movie nights and just getting the ball rolling in terms of having people come out and experience their local park. In many cases, you know, that park may be there, but they haven't had reason to interact with the park either because it doesn't suit them because they thought it was unsafe or unwelcoming in some way. And it's like, what can we do together to make these places work for you and for the community? Um, so that is a very important first principle for us. And once these groups exist, uh, a big part of our reason for being is to support their growth and development as they kind of move along the trajectory. Um, the other important role we play is with municipalities. We 
you know, make it a point to work directly with municipalities to help them think about how to engage communities in the conversation about parks and to think about what the right level of funding and engagement is for city parks, especially in terms of how they connect up with other important issues. And then we publish research, um, leading edge research that, you know, tells the story of parks and their important role for cities, everything from underused spaces uh, through to uh, under service communities and how parks can benefit them. Fantastic. And I mean, are there any, if you like to find characteristics or linking characteristics in between the people who get involved? I mean, can anyone join in? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the short answer is, of course, anyone um, can join in. And that is partly what we're here to encourage people to do. Um, you know, parks are a kind of a really neat um, gateway drug, uh, you know, for a lot of things. So, uh, you know, some of, of the research that we've done indicates that some people's early civic engagement has come from dealing with parks and having to have, have conversations with their local councillor for the first time around, you know, reasons why the park could be, you know, bettered as a result of some political engagement. Um, people get involved in community gardening, people get involved in local economy, like in some neighborhoods in the suburbs of Toronto, there are groups that have created community cafes and other wonderful projects. So really it's about like, I think about parks as a blank canvas for what people want to envision in those spaces. And so People can get involved for any number of reasons. I would say, you know, the easiest way to get involved would be just to go out to a movie night under the stars in your local park. Sounds or lovely. To, yeah, like there's there to find out what's actually happening in your local park and maybe just, you know, start getting a little more engaged and involved. And then um, finding ways to work with your local park group either on a you know short-term or long-term basis to kind of bring the community together in meaningful ways fantastic and i mean it does sound like they're such huge opportunities do you find people are also local communities and residents are actually surprised about what they can do in those green spaces once they get thinking about it well, I think that's the magic. Like we just um, gave out a number of these TD Park People grants in communities across Canada, five cities, um, 11 groups in each city each received funding for three events. And what was so astonishing to us was the creativity and range of event ideas that people had. Everything from a senior's skills exchange where people set up tables and members of the public were invited to kind of walk up and talk to a senior who has expertise in Rubik's Cube solving or <laughs> cupcake decorating or, you know, any number of special unique skills in Vancouver. <laughs> and also, you know, doggy Olympics, um, you know, happening Amazing. in the park. And, you know, just like really incredible events from all kinds of people um, you know, really demonstrating what is possible when you kind of think of a park as a place to bring the community together and what you do there is, is very much up to the community itself. Absolutely. And I would imagine you also get um, some really great outcomes in terms of things like kind of community safety. So certainly over here in the, the UK, sometimes parks are looked at, especially after hours, as places where people go to have a few drinks or maybe get a little bit a bit rowdy but I would imagine if you're encouraging use of the parks you've got all of these spin-off benefits as well 
Absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, um, because sometimes it just has to do about with not like bringing extra police into the park or creating new bylaws or cutting down (laughs) trees to improve visibility in the park. But it's actually about animating that park in a really um, thoughtful way. So one of the people who is sort of considered like one of the founding mothers of the park movement in Canada is this woman named Uta Mason, who um, has a started a, a group that's not far from here, actually called Dufferin Grove. Um, and one of her, the brilliant um, aspects of her thinking was very much like Jane Jacobs. It was like about what, how do you put things adjacent to one another so that they create a meaningful conversation? So what happens if you put a bake oven um, beside a basketball court and what happens as a result. And you can, there's a lot of studies that have been done on this particular park, but it's really, um, interesting in terms of safety and how that park changed as a result of just some thoughtful considerations and not, you know, more policing or, or harsh rules that, um, excluded anybody from the park, but actually made it more inclusive. Excellent. I mean, it's almost, I suppose you mentioned Jane Jacobs, like that eyes on the street sort of saying. That yeah, exactly. Well, the less, um, you know, used a park is often the more dangerous it is, right? Yeah. So how do we bring people into the park and to create inclusive, safe spaces um, for everyone? The other thing is sometimes it's a matter of perception. So there are perceptions, for example, that in Toronto we have this extensive ravine system and there's research and sort of anecdotal information to support that newcomers are reluctant to use those spaces because they're just don't necessarily feel familiar and safe. And so sometimes it's about just someone leading you in and have doing an event like a nature walk into a ravine or an area that's otherwise unfamiliar. I'm sure you've had this experience and suddenly you're like, wow, this has been here all along and I just didn't feel compelled to explore it or I had these perceptions about what it would be like. And now that I'm here, my eyes are opened and this is a place I would like to return to. Absolutely. I mean, certainly um, Sean McCleff's book, Frontier City, he talks, I'm sure it's in Frontier City, he talks about getting out on his bike and going to the ravines and it's all very overgrown and cycle paths, but the amazing beauty. And so I need, exactly. he's riding along thinking, well, A, why is no one else here? And B, quite enjoying, enjoying the ride and thinking, thank goodness no one else is here. Um, you know, I kind of had that experience myself when I had my kids. Like there were places that I'd never, parks, you know, very close by that I'd never even explored and suddenly I found myself spending you know hours and days and um, really having a whole new appreciation for them I think it's important though parks aren't just for kids and families like they should really be a place for everyone and and so how do we do that how do we do that and especially in circumstances where cities are getting denser and denser more people are living alone than ever before like these should be places, you know, for everyone. And it's not that hard. It just takes some thoughtful consideration and understanding, you know, going back to what you said a little bit earlier about these are assets and they are valuable. So how do we maximize the value of these places once we have them and we've secured them, you know, what can we do? We should be thinking about them as valuable pieces of real estate. They are hugely valuable, but what is their value to human health? What is their value to social cohesion? What is their value to community development? I think those are the more important questions that, you know, we want more people to be thinking about. 
Absolutely, and it's so much more, so much more perhaps than the per square foot value that a real estate developer might put on it. Definitely. Fantastic, and I mean, it, this is really, I'm getting really excited just listening to you. I think I'm really passionate. I, I love parks, and I, I love people's interaction with city and space, and I think what you guys do is amazing. Um, but great ideas, in my experience anyway, certainly rarely come cheap. How do you fund yourselves and make your work sustainable? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we have a number of, you know, grants um, that we uh, use to support our work. Um, you know, it's interesting, like it's not a core funded kind of nonprofit because parks, again, sort of exist on in more of a fringe kind of way to other issues. So we do have some funding from health and we do have some funding from kind of community development sources. One of our actually most significant pots of funding comes from TD. They've always been a super big supporter of green spaces and the power that they have to bring people together. And we've been super lucky to have them as a partner on everything, including from when we were just a Toronto organization to now um, really getting behind our national work and the power of parks for, for cities and creating kind of social cohesion. But it's it's a big part. I mean, I don't think there is a nonprofit out there that wouldn't say that fundraising is like one of the foremost jobs of running the organization and and we would be very much included in that. Absolutely. Yeah, it must be um must be quite a challenge and certainly I've I've known some fundraisers who really take that challenge by the by the scruff of the neck and absolutely love it. So um yeah, wonderful, wonderful to hear it's it's going on like that. Now, what do you think are some of the challenges that you're going to see over the next couple of years, Jody? whether it's Toronto or more widely across Ontario? Well, I think that, you know, as I've said, I mean, more and more people are living alone. I think social isolation, I know it's um, that conversation has kind of bubbled up in the UK perhaps more than it has in Canada, but... I think it's a, a very, very serious conversation that we're starting to have, um, you know, the implications of that on many levels, you know, just need to be reckoned with. And I think that parks have an important um, role to play in that regard. Uh, you know, I think that we're going to need to continue to get um, people thinking about the important role that they play in their community and in their city you know we come you know historically you know giving you know some of your time to help your community thrive was sort of seen as part of people's core responsibility and i think now you know in some ways we've deferred to our municipalities that these are government services that we pay taxes for and you know and that is true but at the same time there's a lot of personal satisfaction that comes from shaping your community and trying to um play an important role in what happens in your neighborhood, even if it's just throwing a little block party, you know, on your, on your street. So I think that, you know, the, the conversation, uh, just to circle back to something I said earlier is going to be about connecting the dots. I think that's really what we're missing. And I think there are other issues like food that fall into this category because they don't, um, they don't connect up easily uh, from a municipal or government kind of perspective with things like human health, public health, community development, poverty strategies, lots of those initiatives exist, but I think too frequently parks are not um, thought of in that, in that conversation. And so 
we've got to break out of that silo and really like think about what are the opportunities that these assets present us with in terms of building healthy populations and and healthy cities absolutely so it's it sounds very much like one of the challenges is going to be to get municipalities and legislators and so on to look wider perhaps than their their silos and have that bigger conversation about what's going on in their community rather than just very specific specialisms across it is that about right yeah that's 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 the challenge right like there is a parks department um but how does that parks department interact with other departments and municipalities and you know all of those things i think that that's going to be important and i think that we have to help kind of move the needle on even just people's sense of, you know, um, the value of our parks and what they bring to our lives. I think we take them for granted and not really consider um, the important role, what it means, you know, really to be able to do everything from just read a book in, alone in a under a tree when you don't have a backyard to um, – going for a run, you know, around the track or having a place to take your dog that's secure, like all of those things. It's so interesting, like in a neighborhood in Toronto called Liberty Village, you know, the the limited amount of park space is creating hostility in the neighborhood because people are ba- have battling interests, right? Like the dog walkers and the, you know, the people with kids are kind of confronting each other in not optimal ways because there's it's limited park space is limited and you need enough of that space for people to be able to do what they need to do in the space without stepping on other people. And that's, you know, cities are crowded places and will become increasingly so. And the demand for parks is going to keep increasing. So how do we keep up with that? Um, Especially in a situation where, you know, buying new big honking plots of land is not probably (laughs) realistic for most municipalities, but there are, some really innovative projects like underneath highways and above, you know, railways and all kinds of cool stuff that we're seeing. Excellent. I mean, certainly as you're talking, it's making me think that one of the potentials for parks perhaps could be to become the new town square. If you sort of think back to what town square, certainly in the UK and and Europe used to be that sort of place for for discourse and, and people getting together and just seeing each other and having that sense of connection you're, what you're describing sounds like a, a new town hall a new town square it is already that's sort of the distinction i would make i i think that you know parks continue to play that role all the time it's just a question of who has access to those opportunities and unfortunately you know some of the most beautiful park scenes i've seen you know happen um in very affluent neighborhoods and so it's sort of makes you wonder what what that would look like if it was in a neighborhood and they they do exist here in toronto and across canada where people's efforts have resulted in really incredible um initiatives that have made the park the town square in less affluent um neighborhoods where the benefits of parks are really you know needed more than ever so I would say it already exists. There are places that, you know, are unbelievable in terms of what happens in a park on a Monday night <laughs> when all the kids come out for their soccer, like, and the the farmer's market's happening. And it's like a scene that you couldn't even imagine. It's so spectacular. It's just a question of um, making that happen more often in more places. 
It sounds it sounds absolutely wonderful. Um, one thing, obviously, I'm really interested in, and think listeners hopefully be interested in as well, is that you guys obviously are a very successful non-profit. Um, what advice could you share for listeners? What have you learned along your journey, which you'd wish you'd known a few years ago? There are a couple of things, and I think that they just come from engaging with your community and being a good partner and listener. I think that we have always put community first in terms of understanding what communities need and want and we've sort of empowered them to do their work rather than it uh, you know we sort of stand behind them and help lift them up um so i would say you know that is something that we've always done and we will need to continue to do especially as we enter new municipalities and we're continually learning about like it's not it's not like what we did in toronto is just an obvious thing that's going to work in another city every city has its own dynamics its own communities its own municipalities its own structure um and with each of those come complexities that change the model and you know now we're very much um excited to get immersed in in those cities and to learn the lay of the land and to listen to our partners to understand how we can best support a parks movement um in cities all across canada because they're all different. There's quite a, an incredible range of uh, models and, um, you know, structures that underpin some of this work. So, and how can we learn from each other? Because there are things happening in other places that, you know, um, could really help people do their work in different places. Excellent. I mean, I would imagine as well, they, so that scaling, so from Toronto and then scaling across Canada, that must have come with quite some challenges as that happened. Yeah, and I think those will those are like we're sort of taking a very agile approach, which is about listening and pivoting and learning and growing appropriately in those places because that's what we did in Toronto, and you know it's the right way to do it again because there are such vast differences between places. So it's not a blanket approach; it's a very kind of anthropological exploration of a city and what it's what what makes it tick and who are the players and the influencers and you know all of that stuff very different city to city so it makes the work exciting and challenging because there's not a city in Canada that couldn't benefit from you know more people getting more excited about the awesome potential of parks absolutely I mean it sounds it I said it before it sounds wonderful I'm, I'm really excited to, to see where, where you're going I mean, and on that what is next for park people that's a great question I think you know part of that is um, really going to be defined by what we learn in the next you know year or so as we continue to um, engage with partners across Canada so we're going to continue to build the park people network which is now, you know, grown to 400 organizations strong. So having all of those people and groups um, engaged with us gives us an opportunity to kind of curate a conversation that we couldn't have before across the country. So that's something that we're very much committed to doing, um, whether it's through research and conferences and meetings. And we're going to continue to fund these groups that, you know, for too long have been kind of so grassroots that they haven't been able to access the kind of funding they need to do their work. You know, you just think about, you know, yes, parks are free, but like printing a flyer, like, you know, doing any kind of basic event or activity in a park requires access to some funding. And, 
you know, we know it's one of the major things that groups um, struggle with. And so we can play a role in being an agent for, you know, organizations that want to get involved in this kind of grassroots work and help build a park movement across Canada. So I think, you know, continuing to support the network through things like information and resource sharing, but also some basic things like funds and helping to support their work in some very tangible ways. Excellent. Lots of um, lots of opportunity, lots of challenge, I think. What you, yeah, what you said. And I mean, so if there's one thing that you would like listeners to do as a result of this conversation today, what would that be? Go to the park. <laughs> uh, you know, it's whether you do it alone or with uh, a partner or go and maybe have a conversation with somebody you never met before. I think it's important to just not take these places for granted, to try and look at them with fresh eyes in terms of the value and possibility that they offer us. Um, because, you know, in some ways maybe they've become invisible to us, but they're pretty magical places um, that, you know, are unlike a coffee shop where there's um, a certain kind of commerce underpinning um, you know, what's happening there. They're different. They're just different and they're their own and they are magical um, because they're free, because they're for everyone and they are where we bump up against each other in unexpected ways, which is just not something that we get enough of an opportunity to encounter in our in our busy, crowded lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Go, go to the park. What, what, go wonder- to the park. <laughs> go to the park. What, what, wonderful advice. First, <laughs> of course. So, I mean, wonderful. So I'm inspired and I hope everyone listening is inspired as well. How can they get in contact with you to continue this conversation and, and be involved? Um, we have a terrific newsletter uh, that we put out every two months to all of our subscribers, which is kind of the hub for everything. So I would definitely encourage people to go to parkpeople.ca and sign up for our newsletter. And then we're on all of the social media channels that you could think of. Um, and one of the great things you can do is, again, go onto our website, check out the map. There are events featured across Canada. See what you feel like doing this summer. And, um, you know, just head out to your to your local park and do something fun and and stay in touch with us so that we can help you kind of on your journey to uh, being a park champion. How much fun was that? Thanks so much, Jody. I'm so inspired by what you're doing, not just in Toronto, but right across Canada with the Park People team and all the communities who you're inspiring to get involved and to basically get out there, get into the parks, to activate those urban spaces and to really make a difference at the grassroots, if you'll pardon the pun, of the cities you work in. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I hope that you out there have enjoyed listening to this. I hope you can take Jody's advice and head on out into your nearest park. Take a book, take a friend, take a partner. Find someone to go and talk to there. Make that space really, really work for you. Now, as you know, I want to collect the stories of every single social impact across Ontario over time, but not all at once. That will be just a tiny bit too much um, through this podcast. So I'm hoping that you can help me. If you've enjoyed it, leave a rating, as I asked at the beginning, or talk about it on Twitter. Let me know what you think. Let me know who you'd like me to interview. You can in- you can get a hold of me at on social impact. That's all one word on Twitter. You can email me, neil at onsocialimpact.com. Please do reach out, 
let me know. Let me know your favourite social enterprises. Let me know who you think should be on this show. Let me know who you think deserves to have an opportunity to tell their story in a new and exciting way. So there we go. That's it for this fortnight. Thank you. Thank you again, Jody, for bringing us into the world of park people. And you know what? I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to the park. Goodbye.